Hi, welcome to the Wellness Doctors Podcast with Dr. Lorena and Dr. Vanessa. We are both medical doctors who talk about how to optimize health and well-being so that you can be empowered to make better healthy choices, enrich the lives of people around you and join us in the evolution of healthcare. Hi everyone, it's Vanessa here and also we have Lorena. Hi everyone. Hi, so today we have our guest, uh, Dr. Jeremy Alford. Hi, Jeremy. Hi, Jeremy. Hi. Hello. Hi. Yeah. So Jeremy is based in Bali right now. um, And we met Jeremy through a kind of networking event for health practitioners in Bali Mm. a couple of years ago. Mm. So um, just a bit of intro about Jeremy. He's a clinical psychologist with 20 years of experience working across three continents. He specializes in cognitive behavioral therapy and mindfulness techniques, and is also a clinical hypnotherapist and a neurofeedback practitioner. He's the founder and president of the Middle East Eating Disorders Association, MEDA, and is currently in Bali running Choices Retreat, where Mm. he sees clients on a one-on-one basis to help each person embark on their mindful journey to healing. So welcome, Jeremy. Welcome. Thank you. Um, uh, th- thank you, thank you for uh, having me on your uh, podcast. Yeah, we always like to yeah. have, like, interesting people. <laughs> yeah, I think it's, I think it's a great idea. Yeah. So, Jeremy, tell us a little bit about yourself. You know, so how did you kind of meander your way across the continents and end up in Bali? Mm, that's a very good question. Um, <laughs> So uh, before before coming to Bali, I, I was living in, in uh, the Middle East. Uh, I was living in Lebanon, mm-hmm. where I was practicing there for 11 years. And um, uh, basically, after, after working in, in the region for, uh, for these number of years, uh, I guess I came to a point where I was very interested in, in going elsewhere. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, I've always been fascinated by Southeast Asia. Mm-hmm. And uh, initially, when I decided to to come to this region, it wasn't specifically to uh, to work here or to settle here. It was more um, in terms of curiosity to travel and take a bit of a break, maybe a few weeks off, mm-hmm. and uh, just discover um, the culture. Mm-hmm. And uh, when I arrived uh, in Bali, thinking I would be spending six weeks. Uh, and then six weeks turned to now it's been six years. <laughs> <laughs> so it's just one of these experiences, I guess, mm-hmm. uh, that has uh, taken a, a complete uh, life turn. And uh, having moved here with, with my family, uh, we, we just felt uh, at, at home here, actually. Mm-hmm. Um, it felt, it felt uh, good to be here. And, you know, I think, I think we're just rolling with with uh, how we feel you know as long as we're feeling comfortable as long as we're content and happy then we'll just uh, continue you know staying here Mm. Uh, i guess it's true a home is where the family is and where the heart is yeah 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 and um of course um uh, of course we would like to be living in uh, in in lebanon uh i'm partially lebanese and Mm. um uh, that's where my my kids uh, they were born and they grew up um, most of their life. Mm. Uh, but due due to many complications, uh, we decided to kind of uh, take a break, and uh, we ended up here. And um, 
I think it was uh, one of the best decisions that uh, that we took uh, on a personal level and also on a professional level, mm. uh, because it's upon being here that I got inspired to, um, uh, you know, to uh, to come up with a, a new way of practicing, let's say, um, and offering the service, one of the services that I'm currently offering uh, now that uh, due to the lockdown and the situation has been put on hold. Mm. Um, but, uh, yeah, that's, that's a little bit in a nutshell. I mean, I could, I could say a little bit more if you like. So how has the, uh, lockdown been affecting you personally, professionally, and how, how do you think it's affecting our overall mental health? Because this is something that in our lifetime, we've not experienced an event on this scale. And I think people are still not sure what to do you know it's been months in going into this almost a year now and, and we seem to have no end in sight we don't have any uh, pragmatic solutions people are having lockdown fatigue mm. Mm, yes absolutely well I, I can say well since since the the beginning of the lockdown one of the services that i that i offer is um an intensive program which is in the form of a retreat um, so just to give you a little bit of background before answering the rest of the question. Um, so this retreat um, um, basically focuses on people having generally to travel from abroad. Um, and uh, uh, they, they stay on, on site in Bali for, uh, for a week uh, or, or two, sometimes a little bit more than this, than this. And due to the lockdown, obviously, this has had to come to a complete halt and to a complete stop. So uh, that's how, in, in, uh, that's how the, this situation has affected, affected my, uh, my practice in terms of the, the retreat service. Mm. Um, however, in terms of my private uh, other, form, other services, meaning the online consultations, uh, that's uh, definitely been uh, on the rise. Uh, everybody going online um, and obviously being really affected by by this um, uh, this this pandemic and this this situation the situation that uh, that has uh, caused a lot of insecurity um, as you say people don't really know what's going to happen next people don't really know how to handle the situation and they're finding themselves locked at home not necessarily being able to move around or go places and uh, for many people, that's kind of uh, triggered a lot of a lot of emotions, um, especially for people who, to start with, are um, vulnerable, you know, to um, uh, to struggling from to struggle w with different forms of uh, mental health conditions. Um, so, so, so that's been very, very difficult, I think, for. Uh, for, for people with mental health conditions and even people without mental health conditions, you know, I think it's been also triggering for them because not being able to move some, some people, depending on where they're living, you know, they, they don't necessarily live in a house or the garden, you know, maybe they mm. live in a flat and in a small apartment and it can get quite claustrophobic and, um, you know, they can feel very isolated and not know who to turn to or what to do. So it's it can be really, really tough really, to know what to do during a time like this, especially, as you said, this is something that we've 
you know we've we've never experienced ever before ever you know as as far back as we can go really um i mean i i understand that we've had we've been through other other pandemics but uh, never never have we come together in such a in such a way where you know we're taking these measures or at least as far as we know you know we never take such measures to kind of uh, lock ourselves in and uh, in, in in this way at least that in the last maybe in since the 1950s when traveling has become something that's become more popular for people to travel around that's you know kind of set set in motion uh, a, a new standard uh, a new standard for living so we've all become accustomed to going places and moving around and traveling you know so our lives have completely changed and it's become yes we've taken it for granted you know so it's easy for us to go places you know and to go long places like far away places have become like the the next door uh you know the the next door village in a way you know where we used to we before traveling was was something that was would take much much more time but but with with um uh you know airplanes that's completely changed and revolution the way that we live as humans you know and so coming to suddenly to have to stop all of this that that's also been another factor that's been quite interesting for many of us now we're feeling stuck in a way that we can't really move from where we are and now we're we're really distance apart um mm. even though technology is there to kind of make us feel like we're very close we still feel like we're we're stuck in a way because we can't move like suddenly we, we before thinking oh i would like to go and see my family who let, lives in europe for example i need to really think um you know 10 times before taking taking such a decision and then checking whether or not there are flights to even get there so that's that's been you know i i know a few people who've, who've been somewhat stranded you know in in various countries unable to kind of get back home you know uh, stranded in australia not being able to go back to europe you know or or to lebanon or to uh, other countries uh, from where they they are and that's been that's been quite tough for for many people yeah i think technology has its benefits in the sense that we can still communicate with each other but there's still a a material difference between just talking to someone on the screen versus giving giving them a real hug you know or or spending time in the physical presence of someone Excellent. and i think you know the younger generation that's grown up only knowing how to um communicate online um this has almost forced them into a purely online existence you know schools online talking to friends online everything's done online and i i hope it hasn't um created this shift where people forgotten how to connect again mm-hmm. yes i well i don't think people have forgotten how to connect i think people are yearning to connect um i think that's that's what i'm I'm sensing anyways uh, people you know are are missing uh, the, the connection the physical connection even socially you know uh uh so uh so yeah I think that's that that's where people are struggling the most really It's actually interesting too because we've also built travel into some kind of occupations so people who actually are used to traveling as a part of their role cannot do that and mm. so it's uh, affected their jobs but at the same time also makes us wonder like for, for for example some people um either they they have to travel because they are this kind of services that they offer um not really available in the country that they're living um mm-hmm. but yet um 
when when they when they when they travel they they can't come back so that's that that itself is difficult because going back and staying with your family means that there there is there is no income so it becomes this barrier actually now for people who are traveling for work um that they have this this separation as well so it adds in this other layer and dimension absolutely. to it yeah absolutely absolutely that's mm. that's definitely um a, a big a big thing a big issue mm-hmm. for many people yeah. mm. so, so as a psychologist now that you're doing online consultations do you feel there's any difference in the way you connect with your clients versus in person um well the thing is i was always giving um online consultations as an option so that's never never stopped for me um and it was always um something that i that i've been offering even before this this lockdown even b- before this this year in mm. fact it's something that that's been a part of of the service or since the early 2000 so um uh, even though in the early 2000 it wasn't something people were, were very familiar with uh so it, it wasn't so often that that you would you would get people uh you know who would who would select let's say mm-hmm. that that option now it's become nearly i, I won't say a norm because you still have a few people who who prefer the mm-hmm. in person um um you know, um, process, mm. which uh, I understand fully. And of course, if, if I'm personally having to choose uh, one and I have the luxury to choose, then then I'll probably w- will choose the in-person. Mm. However, uh, what I can say is that um, even the online uh, process can be as effective, can be as effective as the um, the face-to-face, you know, and, and some, and there's also other benefits about the face-to-face in terms of it being perhaps more convenient, uh, you know, less time consuming if I have to travel distances to get to my session and things like that. I mean, of course, the, you know, there's, there's pros and cons for mm-hmm. sure. Um, but, uh, there's, so yeah. Who would, who would be the clients that would choose to come to your retreat? Like what, difference and benefits does it offer to be there physically with mm. you versus just online? okay so in terms of the retreats i'm just one thing is i'm not offering retreats online it's more like therapy sessions mm-hmm. uh, online as opposed to the, the retreat the retreat itself yeah. is more like a package program in which not only do we get like therapy sessions would you like me to elaborate more on the retreat or should i do it a little bit after yeah so how is it different to other kinds of retreats okay. you know like we, we think of spa yeah. retreats or medical or rehab retreats yeah. so how is yours Different. Yeah, it's true that the word retreat that people sense. usually have a, mm-hmm. a connotation more more to do with um, you know something like meditation retreat or a yoga retreat or a wellness uh, as yeah. you said wellness and spa and health and detox and these things people don't really look at it as a kind of a psychological intervention mm. um, but the, the 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 retreat that I offer is exactly that is 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 a um, uh, is a personalized intensive. Uh, cognitive behavioral therapy and mindfulness um, program Um, so there's more of a psychological clinical element to it so we really get to delve into more of the psychotherapy side um, within a relatively short time so it's very psychoeducational by psychoeducational I mean that it's uh, you, you learn strategies, you learn skills uh, while you're addressing um, the concerns that you're having. And uh, there's a 
criteria for suitability. Of course, not not everyone is is suitable for for such a program. So you need like level of motivation. Uh, uh, you at the beginning. I also assess uh, the condition that you have, meaning the the reason for wanting to come uh, and join the program. And 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 I see all kinds of. I mean, I see people who who are uh, just uh, stressed, looking for um, just looking for a break. Um, uh, looking for a break in which they can relax, but at the same time learn mm -hmm. something more about themselves. Um, and it's not just about meditation. Of course, meditation is, you know, in itself a a process of you know inner connection and self reflection, and and you know it's 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 a wonderful, obviously it's a it's a wonderful practice. And I, I would encourage anyone, you know, who, who, who are not familiar with meditation, you know, to, to be curious and to learn because it's within reach mm. and it's accessible to everyone. Everyone can do it. Even people who think that they, you know, can't meditate or don't know how to or if they don't think that it's for them. Actually, it's a lot of the time it's just misinformation, not necessarily being guided in, in a way that's um, adapted to them, you know. And, and I think that there there are ways of being able to connect with this practice that's a very natural practice something that we can learn to harness and nurture in oneself and that's one of the things that anyway i i uh, introduce to um, to people who who come to the to the program um and and i see other people who have bur from burnouts to people who are struggling with anxiety uh, various forms of anxieties generally they will be mild to moderate um uh, so, some could be severe, but it, it really would depend. If they're too severe, that means that they're not capable of being able to, um, you know, benefit from uh, talk therapy and learning skills and strategies. And they're, let's say, too overwhelmed, then this pro, you know, this program wouldn't be suitable for them. But if they're they're they are unwell, but however they they still can co let's say they, they can they're still in the in the in the ability to to have some exchange, as you know some forms of some form of of taking a step back and 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 uh, uh, learning, then then this program is 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 the right you know can they can benefit mm -hmm. a lot from it. Um, and, and I see also people who have been struggling with depression, whether it's chronic depression, even people who've been newly diagnosed with bipolar or people who've been struggling with bipolar for some time. Uh, they will learn how to, you know, uh, through the, this program, they can learn how to Im improve their management of, of this condition, yeah. you know, um, how to live improved uh, qualities of life. So it's very much oriented into how can I optimize my um you know my well-being and, and my lifestyle and um, manage my life in a way that will improve my quality of life yeah. you know in in the different sections sectors of my life so so th that that's the difference between the program that mm -hmm. i'm offering yeah. and a typical kind of yoga uh, or meditation yeah. uh, practice and it, and it's very and it's more right. personalized as well yeah. meaning yeah. that i will not be seeing people in a group uh, it's usually just one-on-one. -on -one. It's uh, very private, and uh, I'll see either individuals or couples mm. who, who might come yeah. for like a you know couple therapy that could that can go depending on what they're looking for. It could range from a few days to a week to two weeks, mm -hmm. and and so on.
So I know that you have some guided meditations on your website, mm-hmm. and you're also on Insight Timer, which is an app that people contribute to with their meditation, any style mm-hmm. of kind of guided meditation. Mm-hmm. So I guess we could introduce our audience to some of your guided meditation to mm-hmm. help us create a little bit of balance mm-hmm. and you know restore a bit of calm mm-hmm. in this sort of very tumultuous <laughs> times in our society. Yes. Yeah. Um, do you have any other tips on how people can um, manage their, their sort of mental health better? Yes, of course. I mean, again, coming back to what we've been used to, that uh, in a way we take for, you know, we take our lives for granted. One of the things we're used, we've become used to is, as we were talking about before, maybe the fast paced life or the lifestyle that we were having that involved, you know, moving around and going wherever you want, whenever you want. And, you know, and, and suddenly finding ourselves in a situation where actually now, you know we can't just do whatever we want or go wherever we want because we have all these restrictions you know and so therefore that can in itself be you know can be very difficult to adjust with and and create feelings of insecurity and anxiety perhaps and 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 exacerbate perhaps other issues that we've been struggling with even before uh, all these events and maybe traumas, you know, that we've been having and, and my fast paced life working, moving around, going different places, seeing other people, perhaps were my way of coping, maybe not necessarily in a healthy way, but they were my way of coping with these different stresses that I was, ha- was uh, that I've been having. Yeah. And so one, one of the, the things that we can uh, learn, learn to do definitely that's, that's helpful first, first and foremost is, is very basic exercises. First of all, like first it could be starting with having like a daily routine, a routine, even if you're not allowed to move from the house, it's useful to have a routine and the routine can be adapted to the environment that you're in. Of course, when we use the word routine, automatically we think routine, going out, going to the park, walking uh, to work, uh, uh, then doing, you know, doing my my nine to five job, perhaps, if that's what I do, then maybe going to the supermarket afterwards and maybe going to see my friends and going going to the movies and and so on and so forth. Maybe that's how we picture routine. And we forget that basically the word routine can also be adapted to the space I'm in. Like if I'm going to be on lockdown, I'm going to stay home and I can't move from the house for, let's say, three weeks, let's say a month. Okay, that can be really, you know, uh, uh, they can, it can, it could potentially have a suffocating uh, feel to it. But then if I focus, okay, let's me create a routine from the space I'm in, that's already a first thing, a very tangible thing I can begin to do. Yeah. Waking up in the morning, let me start by doing like a breathing exercise. There's many various breathing exercises that I can use. Um, I can easily, you know, if I'm if I'm not familiar with any particular breathing exercise, I can uh, go on YouTube and listen to something that uh, that that can be uh, guided. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, I believe I give one technique that's that's on my channel uh, on a very basic exercise that's very effective. It's an abdominal breathing exercise, so that can be a useful thing that people can have a look at. Uh, the guided meditations that you've also mentioned could also be a, a good way to start the day. You know, it's not necessarily something that you need to, to do only at the end of the day. Okay, so you can use it at any 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 time. Um, I would say um, getting involved or be, be, being curious about um, mindfulness practices like um, yoga. Um, now, uh, 
you know, there's a lot of people who will think that, oh, yoga uh, is something I can't do or it's, you know, it's too time consuming. But again, something that is is um, something that anyone can do at any time. And you don't necessarily have to be in a class with a group of, you know, a group of people. Uh, it, you can also do it in your own home and, you know, you can do it by yourself. Uh, there's lots of different apps out there that, you know, you can that you can you can um, look at and um, even YouTube uh, channels, uh, uh, you know, with 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 yoga instructors who who will just show you, for example, a 15 minute practice, mm. you know, or a 30 minute practice. You can find the practice that that actually fits fits for you. And also within the routine, you can also include what am I going to have for lunch today? What am I going to have for breakfast? You know, what are the ingredients that I can get? I can be really creative during during this time and, and you know, create something that that uh, can be very interesting and new uh, to me. Um, we could also have, you know, like what what are the things like that I like reading? Uh, what are the uh, documentaries that I like watching? Um, so I can I can bring the entertainment uh, to the space that I'm in during this time. Um, uh, again, it can be easier said than done, but it, it is doable. And, and I guess that's one of the approaches that one could have to, uh, um, you know, to to nurture. It's about, you know, uh, nurturing something new uh, takes um, some intention and direction. Mm. That's really in, in important because I think often if we don't have a direction, we get lost. And also sometimes um, when we want to have an intention, we, uh, or we want to see a difference, we want to see it right away. So I think that's mm -hmm. why it's such a test for so many people. It's because sometimes with mm -hmm. some of these changes or these strategies, it's not always immediately beneficial. And it does take yes. practice and it does take uh, it, it, time for it to become a habit. So that change in behavior, I think, is always uh, a challenge for a lot of people. So, yes. yeah, so I was wondering, from your perspective, like, um, what do you see? Is, is there a solution? I mean, if, if say, someone um, wanted to improve it and, or, or someone who wanted to understand more about themselves, then you can uh, have a regular session with, with a, a practitioner to help you guide you through that process but often we don't really think about that we actually don't really think that we need to change things so <laughs> I think this is how <laughs> this is this is where a lot of people are uh, stuck and have to start facing what do I do now because I'm faced with these things for myself <laughs> instead of being able to go yeah. away or find something external outside of ourselves to to make ourselves feel better Mm, yes, that's <laughs> definitely. I think the thing is that we, we are so used to being so stimulated and let's say overly stimulated by um, what we're used mm. to um, in the sense that first and foremost, how to change a habit. We need to um, we need to know that we are already creatures of habit to begin mm. with. That means whatever we do, we've been doing it for a while and we don't necessarily like change. So, you know, uh, so we will just keep doing what we've all, always been doing, you know, and if it's been adaptive and uh, not necessarily unhealthy or un unhelpful to me, I will just keep doing the same yeah. thing. 
you know, and some people might be stuck in some other unhealthy pattern for sure. Mm. You know, that, that's how it is. But to start to, to, as a starting point is just to recognize that, wait a minute, I'm a creature of habit. Mm. So I'm going to have this inclination to want to do what I've always been do doing because it's comfortable. Yes. And if we've been overly stimulated, you know, uh, but, and used to different forms of instant gratification, then um, it's going to take a little bit of time. But I think recognizing that we're creatures of habit, mm -hmm. that we are used to getting uh, gratified in a particular way, you know, that's my inclination. That can be very useful to have in my awareness mm -hmm. to start with in terms of as a, as a, as a prerequisite to, uh, to kind of moving down the path of wanting to establish a different habit for myself that I might come against uh, come against these different obstacles you know the one is the instant gratification not necessarily getting exactly what i want how i've been used to getting mm. it two that i'm a creature of habit that i will i will not necessarily a part of me might not necessarily want to change so i'm going to resist the change mm. so once i know about more about these uh, facts inside of me then i can begin to pave the way towards you know something else i can maybe be a little bit more gentle with myself in my approach mm as opposed to bossy with my applause, perhaps a little bit more understanding with myself and, you know, have a, like a clear, cl clear goal. And even though that might be difficult at the beginning, like also you were mentioning, like having a sense of direction, that's not always necessarily very easy, you know, especially when we feel forced to having to um, change a direction because of external forces. Mm. You know, as this situation is now, we it's like we're forced to having to adapt. Like we didn't make a choice. We didn't decide to be in lockdown. It didn't come from me. Mm. You know, it's like suddenly we're all in this, and it's like either we adapt, and you know, we'll make the best out of this and learn, or we're just gonna really struggle with this. You know, because it's also feeding into my lack of control and absolutely wanting to be in control and wanting to be in control, trying to look for my control through the external world or the external actions, mm. you know, as opposed to looking, looking for the control where, I, where control is, which is, which is within me. Mm. So redirecting my attention to that, really, to, to myself, which is not an easy thing, you know, if, especially if I've been struggling with myself for 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 long yeah i mean now that we've got so much time being indoors <laughs> or being in lockdown or you know being limited in our our previous activities don't feel like it's time wasted you know use this time to prepare yourself better when we come out of this because as a species as humanity i i believe we have the tools and the capacity and the, the know-how to get out of this. It's just that we're fumbling through it somewhat at the moment. But um, A, I think we need to have hope that um, this will, mm. will come out of this. And at the same time, use this time to, you know, decide what is really important for you. Is it, you know, spending time online or is it spending time with your family? Is it um, being on mm. a lot of apps and, you know, watching a lot of YouTube videos or is it learning something new that um, gives you a sense of creativity or purpose or sort of elevates mm -hmm. your knowledge? 
or get your finances in order, right? Look around your house. Um, is there all these things in my house that are sort of superfluous? I just used to buy them because they were there for me to buy. Uh, they're really necessary in my life. And I think we can use this time to really reflect on how we want to live in terms of our lifestyle and also what values we want to um, you know, live by. And try and be a better version of ourselves when we come out of yeah, this. Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. It is definitely an opportunity to be uh, to take a step back, and uh, we can definitely look at this in a very constructive way, you know, as an opportunity, as opposed to, uh, um, you know, something that is um, devastating. You mm. know? Um, and 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 be more introspective. Um, and give ourselves a chance to ask all the questions that you've just mentioned. Absolutely. Um, you know, it's, 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 you know, to ask ourselves, you know, you know, you know, that when we talk about the material, material world, you know, we, some, sometimes we can, we can, you know, by looking at all the objects that we have inside our house, perhaps, as you said, like we've been collecting, you know, and do we really need these things? Mm. You know, how, you know, what, what's more important in the end, you know? Um, isn't it how I'd really, how I really like to feel, you know, what, what, you know, what, what, what is it that, that, that is, um, um, yeah, the priority for me. Mm. Um, and yeah, what, what really brings you sort of authentic happiness as opposed to temporary kind of fleeting mm -hmm. moments of hedonism, yeah. which we're yes. so accustomed to. Exactly. Mm. So to shift, to shift the um, topic a little bit, I just wanted to pick your brain on um, your experience mm -hmm. with eating disorders because it's something that um, in, a, in, in sort of mental health, it's uh, really hard to treat in the sense and um, just wanted to see what you feel, you know, how did you ten uh, come to specialize in this area? You know, what made you set mm -hmm. up the NIDA? Uh, foundation okay um, yeah so uh yeah of course i mean me, me uh, uh, eating disorders is the most um first of all it's the it's we, a lot of people don't know this but it's the deadliest of all mental health conditions mm. um the highest yeah. rates are of su the highest, highest rates suicide of suicide rate. exactly yeah. um and um uh, some of them the suicide is is done is kind of indirect as a result of the deficiencies in their body that they end up you know uh, the highest cause of death being anorexia nervosa which is a form of uh, rest restrictive eating uh, to the point where uh, re even refeeding is not enough meaning even medical refeeding is not enough because their body is gone into a complete shutdown so it's completely refusing food and therefore the person ends uh, you know their lives uh, come to an end mm -hmm. but uh, eating disorders isn't limited to anorexia nervosa of course you have uh, other other ones like uh, bulimia nervosa and um, uh, binge eating disorder which are the uh, classic ones uh, and then there are other forms of uh, of eating disorders too 
um, what brought me into into this? Uh, well, I, I was always interested uh, by by this specific uh, condition, and I had uh, members of the family as well who were um, had anorexia and, uh, nervosa as well, and and in the treatments that they were getting uh, in the mid Middle East was still very much um, old school um, institutionalized uh, approaches. So I was uh, very intrigued by the, you know, more up-to-date evidence-based uh, approaches. So I really kind of took it upon myself to kind of uh, seek to specialize uh, in this in this area, which was still kind of a growing discipline. Not a lot of experts in the field of eating disorders. Um, and uh, just, you know, um, connecting with with, uh, with pioneers in, in the UK and in, in, in the States. And, uh, you know, eating disorders hasn't been a condition in terms of mental health that, uh, let's say, governments uh, have been giving much attention to. It's kind of been the, the, the condition that's been less attended, the least attended to. Uh, perhaps mo most attended have probably been other mental health conditions like addictions and, you know, other, you know, depression and anxiety and PTSD, you know, or post-traumatic stress disorder than, than, than actual eating disorders, even though eating disorder itself, you know, is, um, is, a, is, a, is a condition that, that you will have all these different comorbidities. So you, you'll have anxiety, you'll have depression, uh, you'll have history, complex histories of trauma um, and, 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 and the like. So, so finding myself in... Why do you think there is such a discrepancy between how, you know, public policy and, and just general population see eating disorders versus other kinds of... Well, a lot of, a lot of, uh, for, first of all, you have a lot of like body image, culture and uh, social medias of beauty and... Um, you know uh, this this kind of the this idea of of, of thinness and um, you know the 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 image of of being uh, muscular and fit mm. uh, are part of cultures in different parts of the world. So people don't necessarily talk about eating disorders, okay? Because they're it's 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 it, it, first of all we need to understand that there's a lobby uh, within the uh, food uh, industry. You know, uh, which, you know, if, if you know, uh, which is important for for various uh, reasons that are not necessarily health mm. uh, uh, benefit beneficial, you know, but uh, and so and so therefore we're talking about sales and uh, we're missing the point that actually uh, people's health, you know, uh, is at stake here. And a lot of people are going to be affected by these different uh, you know these different movements uh not only movements but these different um uh, 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 you know approaches to to um to feed into the the you know the culture of you know uh, having the perfect image or the perfect body mm. and and uh, th through all these diet um diet cultures um and and so so that that's definitely one of one of one of the things. So, um, coming back to 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 when I when I came to Lebanon, um, I noticed that um, you know the, the the people there were were not necessarily receiving the kind of up to date um, type of intervention that they could be getting uh, instead. 
and um, I thought it was important to kind of do something about that. And that's how I founded the, the Middle East Eating Disorder Association, whose mission has been to raise awareness. And we're really talking about grassroots level work because you still have a lot of people that think, you know, if you're talking about eating disorder, then that's something that is self-inflicted and the person has to snap out of it you know, and uh, is something uh, that, that is easy to do, you know. And, and so grassroots level uh, awareness raising starts with educating the public and educating teachers and educating um, parents and therefore then informing children in very precise ways, you know, about, you know, things like the dangers of dieting mm. and uh, the difference between different body size and, uh, you know, talking more about something we call the set point theory or the set point, meaning that everybody has a different, um, you know, um, uh, set, set point in terms of their body mass, their, their bone mass and their height, you know, and, and their weight. That's, um, that's kind of their natural style, you know, and, and, and to, begin, to begin more about educating about, you know, a, a different, all our bodies are 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 fine, and it's it's not about uh, searching for perfection, you know. But 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 actually, um, uh, uh, moving more towards acceptance of of one's body, you know. Um, and and that's that here, you know. To talking about this is like we're really delving deeply into cultures and into beliefs and to thoughts, you know, uh, into into people's thinking thinking styles that that they have themselves been been affected and influenced because of previous generations. So the grassroots level raising awareness that needs to be done is 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 really grassroots. I mean, really starting from the from the bottom up. And that's what we've been doing, uh, you know, since we established the, the, the association back in 2009. Um, and now we're, you know, we're, we're still like a growing team of experts because initially we're, we were just one, then two, then three. And it's, we're talking about, you know, psychologists and nutritionists who are interested in the field and then who specialized in eating disorders because it's not because you're a psychologist or just because you did a degree in nutrition or a dietitian that means that you're an expert in in eating disorders that, that's a specialty in itself because it's it, it requires a really precise approach uh, eating disorders can be quite complex and quite uh, tricky as a form of addiction you know in terms of where the person is it's like there's a cycle in which the person really needs to understand how to operate it's not just about having a meal plan you know there's there's a whole other um, you know uh, dimension to it that that is important so part of Mida's work has been to raise awareness has been to offer trainings has been to train has to uh, been to offer support and more importantly to work towards establishing guidelines um, guidelines of, of, of care uh, at the ministry health ministry level uh, to spread that uh, you know uh, to have better policies uh, so better uh, treatment of care by carers you know uh, whether the carer is a professional or whether the carer is a family member and also to offer better support to people who are suffering so kind of a, a helpline uh, system uh, where people who are struggling in the Middle East, you know, we, uh, we, they can contact the MIDA 
through the, their website or the different social medias because we're more active on, on media social medias than elsewhere and now with technology we're able to provide that you know at least a, a basic level of support and referrals uh, to people who are in the Middle East which professional they can go to to get the help that they that they need uh, we can we can provide that information directly online through you know messages or chat um, or even uh, through a, even a call uh, that 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 that's possible um, so yeah that that's really really a little bit how I found found myself uh, you know doing this it was uh, part partly uh, personal uh, with family members and 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 partly because uh, there was just this flow of, of of people that you know was was coming uh, coming my way and and also I just saw saw it that this is uh, one aspect of mental health that that people are not really looking at and needs need, we we need to do something about this and and um, uh, yeah so that's it yeah it, that's really great mm. advocacy work you're doing um, so I mean we want to thank you as well even though you know it seems to be more targeted towards Middle East. But then once different people hear about your story and they start similar things and then ultimately it will coalesce and become yeah. a, a bigger thing and, and mm. sort of have momentum as we go along. Because, I mean, people stereotypically think this affects women, mm. which it does to a larger degree, mm -hmm. but men are also yes. affected. And there's so much um, social media these days where it's not really real. You know, like it, 100 years ago when you took a photograph, that's pretty much how that person looked. But nowadays, there's so many technologies that help people look how, you know, so different by, by adjusting, um, you know, body shapes and sizes. So what they post of themselves on the internet or what you see of models is actually yes. not the real image. Uh, but then people are, can't differentiate between mm -hmm. what's real and what's not anymore. And so they have this concept that they need to pursue something even, mm -hmm. you know, thinner, smaller, uh, skinnier, um, whereas, you know, we should be promoting a, a message of health, which is, it's not necessarily just the appearance, but it's also, you know, how physically strong are you? How functional is your body in supporting you? What's your mindset yes. like? How's your mental health? And that's all part of wellness and how to be, you know, a beautiful human being. And I think we need to start shifting away from just appearance, which sells a lot of stuff but ultimately if you can send a message where health also yes. sells merchandise right then surely we can shift that culture mm -hmm. little yes, by little absolutely i mean or well, you were mentioning the social medias and all those social media you know there's um you know there's uh, positives and there's also negatives to it but uh, one of the the dangers behind the social media has been lots of um, uh, pro-Anna content and pro-Anna pro is, is a term that we use for yeah. for uh, to, to basically suggest that mm. uh, you, it's anorexic uh, people who have anorexia who are just passing on and spreading information of how to be anorexic. Uh, so it's pro-Anna content and that, that, that's been found initially on Instagram and then they stopped that and we found this on TikTok as well and we had uh, made a petition along with um, uh, other um, associations um, around the world because MIDA is a um, partner uh, chapter for the Middle East of the American Eating Disorder um, Association 
and uh, uh, we TikTok ha have have responded positively to this uh, this petition and are uh, basically now um, uh, reaching out uh, to get uh, proper advice. Uh, proper information of how we can actually uh, of how TikTok can actually be a positive force um, to create awareness and not allow um, negative content or triggering content in any form towards uh, towards eating disorders, uh, but on the contrary, to have something that is that will be more um, uh, suggesting in terms of even policy policy making towards eating disorders and 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 referring people uh, towards the right help if. Um, you know, in, in, in an indirect way or a direct way through through uh, social media like TikTok. Yeah, if you can't fight it, you know, join it. Use the power of social media to push yes. the, the right message. Across. Yeah, it's not, and that, that's it's not that's going to go the, away, the, the, right? The world. So. <laughs> so it's it's either either we will adapt to uh, technology and how technology is a part of our life, and we can use it constructively you know, or we'll be left behind, you know, mm. uh, or if we don't use it in, in the right way, then it can be very destructive. Obviously, mm. it's, it's really about moderation and, and finding, you know, how we can make this a powerful force to, a, to our continuing evolution. There's a responsibility, that's for sure, for all this media content. Mm. Um, and yes. I think we're coming to realize this in, in those terms. Mm. So, yeah, it'd be good mm. to see that there are some policies around these areas that definitely affect mental health. Yes, yes, yes. Mm. So, yeah, so I was referring earlier to the Academy um, for Eating Disorders, uh, which is um, a recognized institution body for eating disorders around the world. So that recognizes many other associations and organizations like MEDA, mm. uh, where we come together, uh, you know, to, to have like conferences, international conferences on the latest evidence-based practices, um, as well as connect with other specialists and pioneers uh, around the world on, on this, um, uh, this, this devastating um, mental health condition. Mm. Uh, but the good news is that recovery is possible with the right help and the right support and the right guidance. Um, and um, yeah, that's, that's really the message. That's the message behind MIDA, at least, and our efforts. Yeah. Yeah, thank you for all your work. So actually, Jeremy, we've um, collaborated before between Ananta mm -hmm. and also your retreat. So we were one of your, mm -hmm. our first clients, so to speak, yes. at Ananta Wellbeing. So um, you, you consulted us on uh, a client of yours, mm -hmm. so we won't speak about the contents, but we just wanted to ask if you can share your experience about what um, the consultation uh, felt like for you and what you think would be beneficial in terms of you know holistic I, first of all I believe in a wellness. holistic approach and uh, my approach is very integrative meaning that I integrate various modalities within my cognitive behavioral therapy uh, uh, approach so you know for 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 listeners we need to know that uh, you know psychotherapy is a world and when, when we talk about the classic form of psychoanalysis, it's not just Sigmund Freud, but there's many different approaches, obviously. And now mm -hmm. we talk about neuropsychoanalysis. So it's definitely evolved and there are many branches and many exciting layers that are 
out there. And similarly to cognitive behavioral therapy, there's obviously the traditional form, but there are many other subspecialties, you know, that are integrated, you know, to, to, to and, and, and more uh, indicated for the treatment of very particular conditions, you know. So there's a form of, if you like, CBT for OCD, for obsessive compulsive disorder, another one that's more specific to eating disorders, another one more specific to trauma, mm -hmm. and so on and so forth. So that's a little bit what we kind of we look look at and having an integrative approach means that looking at the different aspects of uh, one's one's life which is not only mental it's also physical and uh, uh, of course we're going to be affected by chemistry in our body by the foods that we eat or that we don't eat the deficiencies there and that's not to say this is exclusive to people with eating disorder and you have people who have what we call a disordered eating which is a, a lighter mm -hmm. form which is something that uh, uh, you know probably affects more people than than the classic forms of eating disorders because maybe i just want to lose weight and i'm struggling with my weight okay but i'm not like overly preoccupied by it i just keep going from one diet to another it just doesn't work you know or i'm just eating the wrong foods and so on and so that's forms of disordered eating behavior mm -hmm. you know that that probably touches more people than actual eating disorders in that mm -hmm. sense um, and so having an integrative approach really allows us to, to become more mindful of our life and the different uh, uh, perpetuating factors that are involved, the physical aspect uh, uh, and the mental aspect. And I thought that, um, you know, offering, um, you know, offering people this, this opportunity to have like a more global assessment uh, through the functional medicine um, uh, uh, approach really provides more information to the person and therefore a more com comprehensive and complete um, um, re report to themselves, you know, with, with which information becomes useful power uh, to regain control of our life in a more efficient way. And I think that the, the person with, with, who, who have, has gone through this um, with yourself has, has been very, it's been very helpful to them. Um, and they've took took the, the the information on board, and and they've decided to, um, uh, you know, to apply to to use the feedback uh, constructively to make certain adjustments in their own life. Um, and I know that uh, that you also offer uh, follow up uh, sessions, which I feel that can be tremendously helpful and useful to many people um, uh, who are struggling with knowing how to implement. Uh, you know, the information they gather from the assessment. But other people who have already, you know, who, who are pretty confident with, with, you know, once they got the results and feel that they can actually do this but on their, their own, then I think that, that that's good. But knowing that there is the, uh, you know, the, the assistance that's available, that, that, that's also very um, uh, reassuring uh, to, to, to some people. And uh, I know that it's reassuring, at least to the people that I've, that, 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 um, that have gone through the assessment with that we've done the assessment together for uh, for this particular person is uh, was definitely reassured to know that uh, mm -hmm. um, they can call upon upon your uh, your follow up in 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 uh, in times of need. And I think that's one thing which we always talk about is to have a curiosity and an open mindedness about different approaches, but also knowing that. Um, we have training in very precise areas of our specialty or our areas, but we sometimes can't do everything ourselves. And it means that having some insight or feedback or 
the different approach can be very helpful when it comes to the chronic um, health issue. So mm -hmm. I think like even for ourselves as practitioners, we often find that it's good to have a input um, from different perspectives. And I think if the client is open to that, I think it's something worth offering to them to explore. Because I feel if we collaborate on a, a, on, on a scale like this, it's, it's really for the benefit of, of, the, of the patient, of the client eventually. So um, I really think that the future, like going forward, when we talk about integration and collaboration, it's more than just having a group of people in one location. It's more about how does each person contribute to this person's health and their health journey. Not everyone, we're all very different, as you mentioned before, like we have different body styles, upbringing, different cultures, and so we're all very unique. And that means that um, people with different skill sets may be beneficial to this person. Yes. <laughs> yes. Yes. Absolutely. I think I think that's that's as you're saying. I think that's that's where um, in informing people. I think talking about this this kind of the different approaches. That's I think that's our responsibility and and our role to mm. be able to, to really in, inform people because they they won't know otherwise. Yes. A lot of people won't necessarily know where to turn to or who to turn to. They might be familiar with like the words holistic mm. or the words integrative, but they won't necessarily you know know how to put that in or to implement that into practice or know exactly who to turn to or even know what it means to be a functional medicine doctor for example yes yeah, so thank you <laughs> so thank you for yeah, uh, you're welcome thank you for having was me. a great journey and uh it's been a great yes. time you. we've covered a lot of it ground has, time flies by <laughs> <laughs> yeah so, um, yes, of course. I mean, I can be found now because I've just uh, made a new uh, um, a modification to my website. Uh, so now it's it's uh, directly just my name. So it's www.alfordjeremy.com. And uh, of course, people who are interested in the retreat uh, part, then, then there's also that option. But uh, uh, so so anyway, you, you can people can reach me there. People can also reach me on other media, social medias, which all the icons and logos are directly on the website name that I just made and just gave there. So alfordjeremy.com. That's it. Great. Great. Yeah, that'd yes. be perfect well, because we also, also do regular live as well. um, <laughs> on Instagram with yeah. the other members of the team. Great, fantastic members of the team. Uh, every Mondays, okay, even though that it's it's being done at the time that is more like on the time zone in the Middle East, mm. uh, they're being saved on IGTV. So we have various talks. Uh, some are in English and some are in are in Arabic, but on different eating sources. And we've had like uh, talks with um, um, influencers from uh, different countries, and mm. so that's had a lot of other people who've been listening in a little bit like you said even people in the states so we're getting people who are contacting us a little bit from everywhere even though we are you know Mida as far as Mida is concerned is specific to the Middle East you know mm. so uh, but it's grabbing the attention of, of, of many other people abroad so so that, that, that's a good thing yes great thank you okay. that's fantastic yeah. Great. yeah yeah you're welcome <laughs> thank you yes you too Stay well. And, yes, uh, you too. And, and I, I hope that we'll be seeing each other soon. Yes, I hope so too. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> I hope so too. All right. Take good care of yourselves. Bye. 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 Bye.
You can find us at anantawellbeing.com and follow us at anantawellbeing on Facebook and Instagram. If you like our podcast, please give us a five-star review to help other like-minded people find us. This podcast is for information purposes only. Statements and views expressed in this podcast are not medical advice and is not intended to treat or diagnose any medical condition. This podcast and its producers disclaim any responsibility for adverse effects that result from the use of this information. Opinions of guests are their own and are not endorsed by this podcast. No guarantee is given regarding the accuracy of any statements or opinions. We do not make any representation or warranties about guest qualifications or credibility. Both producers and guests may have direct or indirect interest in the products and services mentioned. If you think you have a medical condition, please consult a licensed physician.